That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. You know those things we do all day, every day as people that we're not even paying attention to? But once we do pay attention, they're kind of ridiculous and hilarious. That's what we look at on my new podcast series, Social Studies. I'm your host, Jenna Kingsley, writer, comic, and creator. And I promise you, this is nothing like the social studies you learned in school. And feel free to follow along on Instagram, at Jenna Kingsley. I look forward to seeing you guys soon. I'm Laura McGoodwin, founder and CEO of Career Contessa, and I'm also a person who likes to work fast. I love to get a lot done and feel the satisfaction of crossing items off my to-do list. In fact, I'm so proud that I will often brag about how much I can get done in a day. But maybe the skill that I think is so great is actually, well, not so great. And even with my best efforts to make sure I'm working smarter and not just harder, maybe what I'm missing the most is slowing down. That's right, maybe what I need to do is slow down. If you're like me and you thrive on a fast pace at work, then this might seem like a completely mad idea. But today I'm joined by Sophie Caldicott. She's a journalist and a self-proclaimed obsessy with all things slow living, which is a new trend that is sweeping across the internet and into our work and home lives. On this episode, Sophie will teach us what slow living is, how it works, and five steps that you can take to embrace slow work right now. And now this is The Females. Sophie, you are a self-proclaimed slow living obsessy. So what is it about slow living that you love so much? And what does it look like in your own life? I guess I'm naturally a, a, quite a slow processor. And I, I like that I'm a kind of stop and smell the roses personality. But I think it's important to kind of acknowledge that slow living, as, as contradictory as this sounds, isn't necessarily about being a fast or slow personality or doing things fast or slow. It's not that speed is necessarily inherently bad or anything like that. More just, I think the slowness element of slow living comes in where it's it's about pausing and taking the time to acknowledge your priorities and goals and values rather than kind of rushing in and fighting fires, whatever whatever part of your life that might be. So you might be that might manifest as kind of living fast might manifest as saying yes to every invitation that you get or 
be ending up living on somebody else's kind of schedule by their what they want you to do or whatever it might be. And so, mm. so yeah, the slow, the slow part of that slow living is to me really about being intentional. I found that it comes very naturally to me because I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a pretty slow processor and I've, <laughs> I kind of, I have to think about things to feel comfortable. Um, but even if you have natural disposition to be able to juggle a lot of things, I think it's, it is just about living on your own terms and taking the time to really decide how you want to live rather than just letting life happen to you. Yeah, this makes me think a lot of uh, you are very proactive versus reactive. Yeah. Or in a work example, it makes me think of the person who responds to emails right away and maybe doesn't always think through like how they want to answer it or what they want to say versus the person who is like, you know, there's that popular Instagram meme where it's like, it's normal for me to take two to three days to respond to an email. Like Mm. that is like what I think of as like slow Mm. living. I know, and you recently wrote an article about this for Career Contestant, so I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. But uh, what is the like proper definition of slow living? I know you had mentioned Mm. it. So I think lots of people define it in different ways, but I would say that it is living life in an intentional way and taking the time to decide what you're going to focus on. The slow living movement really, I think, got its its name where it kind of started gathering as a movement around the slow food movement in Italy in the 1980s. That was really about reacting against fast food and it's very Italian to, uh, I think it's very apt that it came out of Italy because they have this culture of really enjoying your food and preparing, using these lovely ingredients, these lovely fresh ingredients and taking your time and also having that as a connective time, you know, with friends and family and really enjoying that. So the concept of fast food and these, these, you know, celebrating the, the speed in which you can be served a burger or whatever it might be and the speed in which you can eat it and, and kind of just rush through the whole process is very uh, antithetical to their, their food culture. But it also, you know, we talk about slow fashion and that is valuing what you're buying and the work that's gone into something and understanding who is affected by, you know, the, the production of the materials and the fibers and the people who have sewn the clothing together and then all of these different steps and these different people involved in the process. And it's really about thinking, do I want to be buying a lot of clothes um, in a very trend-driven way? Or do I want to decide what I actually need in my wardrobe? And do I want to take the time to research who I want, what I want to invest mm-hmm. in and how, repairing my clothes and things like that? I think the common, the kind of connecting thing between all of these different things, uh, the slow living movement in general, is, is just about being thoughtful and intentional about any decision that you make. And also acknowledging mm-hmm. that you can't do it all and have it all. It's about taking that pause and saying, hold on, what's my priority here? <laughs> This makes me think of, um, we did an episode on the argument for the good enough job. And it makes me think about that concept of like, what is enough to your point about like having it all. And I think, you know, obviously we're going to try to use this example of work, but like when it comes to slow work or slow living and kind of like slow career, it makes me think of like having the good enough job or the good enough career. Um, Whereas hustle culture tells us more and more and more, go, 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 uh, try to have it all. I mean, the biggest myth is I think that they've sold us on is that you can have it all. So can you talk a little bit more about what is slow work and how the concept of slow living, you, you point out there's 
you know, slow has now taken on all these other uh, names for like slow parenting, which is really just like a way of going about it. But specifically, what is slow work and what does that look like? Is it the good enough job? Is that is that the example or one of the examples? I think, again, that, that idea that it's not about the actual speed at which you work at all, because I think that's a common mis- um, misconception. Uh, so you don't, it doesn't mean you have to be like working at a snail's pace and and missing all your deadlines. <laughs> That's not it at all. In fact, yeah, yeah, don't do, do that. that. <laughs> um, it is about deciding on yeah, what your priority is. And so, and acknowledging that if you're trying to do multiple projects and, and, and juggle multiple projects, you're not going to be doing a really focused job on, on one. And there are like, you know, there are phases in our working lives where we have to juggle a few things and we're stretched, but that shouldn't be the default. So uh, I know that people, people call this actually slow living or slow work by a few different names. I've, I've heard people call it essentialism. There's an author called Greg McCowan who, who talks about that. Oh yeah, that's, that's a, a brilliant book. book. And I would say that that yeah. is all about slow work, essentially. Mm-hmm. They call it minimalism or simplicity, simple living. And entrepreneur Hilary Rushford calls it elegant excellence. And I think in all of these things, it's, it's just about deciding, okay, what, what, what is my, what is my goal here? And instead of fighting fires all day, you want to be setting aside that real time to, for the deep focused work, um, to move forward those, those, that top priority. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to remember too. And I know essentialism, I, I loved that book because it talked a lot about focus, but what I liked about it also is the the trade-offs, right? Like there, there's something here where people think that maybe they're going to be able to get through by not having to say no, not having to set boundaries and not having to have trade-offs. And I remember when I was reading the book, just being really obsessed with the concept of like life has like to, to do good work and to be really focused it can't happen without the trade-offs, without the saying no, without the boundaries, which we're a society that doesn't really like no, whether we're the ones who have to give the no or the one the ones who have to accept the no. Yeah, I would totally agree. And and I, I guess I started living this way or working this way rather when I started working full-time as a mum for the first time because I had those really s- solid boundaries. So I had my childcare until... I think it was 5, 5.30 p.m. And, you know, it started at a certain time and it finished at a certain time. And I knew that my daughter was going to come and rattle rattle the door handle when, you know, when it was time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was special projects manager on an editorial team. And it was, it was a complicated job. There were a lot of different things that I was working on. So it wasn't some kind of lovely Zen situation where it was just, you know, I was just <laughs> writing a book or, you know, like one thing. Um, I was, yeah. I was, encouraging the whole team to to manage their time and to to overseeing various different projects essentially for me it started with approaching it in a in a slow thoughtful way in a, in a slow work kind of philosophy it meant taking the time to really think about what i needed to be focusing on touching base with my boss about that and making sure we were on the same page having really clear boundaries from the start to be like these are my working hours and i just am not going to be on my computer so I'm not going to pick up any emails or any Slack messages outside of those that time, unless it's a an emergency situation, in which case we talk about it during my working day, and then I and then I get more childcare, and it's you know I'm working that evening or whatever it might be. But it's it's that's always a extra thing that I have to plan for, rather than something that's just assumed. We all know that feeling when we're fighting fires all day, and then you get to the end of the day and you think, what did I actually do? 
Uh, it's a really horrible yeah. feeling. Yes. So, yeah, so I guess to me, slow work is just about being in control of your day rather than your day being in control of you and, and, and setting the agenda yourself. I want to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, Ana Luisa. Ana Luisa is home to sustainably crafted jewelry that brings joy to those who wear them and to those who make them. With their simple yet stunning pieces, Ana Luisa gives you all of the building blocks of your accessory wardrobe. Whether you're looking for earrings, necklaces, rings, or bracelets, Ana Luisa has got all kinds of pieces that will match your style. Prices start at $39 and you can get 20% off with their summer sale going on right now. I was browsing their rings the other day and they have so many great options in their ring collection. They have glamorous cocktail rings, they have dainty rings that would look great stacked for a contemporary look, or if you're more of a classic style kind of gal, they have glossy gold rings that make for an effortlessly chic statement. Plus, all of their pieces are earth conscious. That's actually one of my favorite things about Ana Luisa. Every piece is consciously beautiful, meaning their collections are released in limited run small batches each Friday to ensure highest production standards and eliminate excess waste. Their designs are intuitive and thoughtful, simple pleasures to look at and live in. And again, you can shop all of these beautiful pieces for 20% off with their summer sale that's going on right now. I absolutely recommend checking out Ana Luisa. As I mentioned before, their prices start at $39. And if you go to our special females link, you can get 20% off their products right now. So you go to shop.analuisa.com backslash females son to learn more. That's shop.analuisa, A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A dot com slash females son, F-E-M-A-I-L. S-S-U-N to learn more. All right, one more time. That's shop.analuisa, A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A dot com slash females son, F-E-M-A-I-L-S-S-U-N to shop their summer sale. All right, now let's get back to the show. I do think people are very on board. They're like, yes, I want to be more focused and less like overwhelmed and crazy. I don't want to have days where I leave and I'm like, I was busy all day, but I don't know what I did. Like, I do think people want this and they also recognize that, you know, rest and, and leisure and having hobbies and having time away from your computer and your slacks is important for having that kind of optimal focus and, and being able to um, be proactive and not reactive to everything. I think the reactive feeling it is almost like you become this high functioning reactive person. And over time, it's like, I'm, I'm so good at moving this quickly and doing and reacting so well to so much stuff, but, but it's probably not your best work. And at some point you get further and further and further away from kind of that, that starting line that you started with. I think it's hard to get back to it. The other last thing I'll say about this is, and you mentioned this in your, in your article is that hustle culture isn't sustainable. So it's almost one of those things where I feel like you can either learn to embrace slow living and slow work and start to take baby steps to put it into your life, or you can do the thing that most of us do, which is we go, 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 and then we mm-hmm. burn out. It's like extremes, and we all know extremes don't usually work. I, I always think of, you know, when they talked about diets, they would always use these for these things like, it's a lifestyle, not a diet, mm-hmm. like everything in moderation. It's like, it, it, I, these are like themes for life. And so I just want to mention a couple other points that you mentioned about burnout, which is the science between b- behind too much hustle, which you talk about with with rest and, and needing uh, to actually t- 
take time to sleep. And we even had an episode about like the seven different types of rest that you have. That time rarely equates to productivity. We know that the, you know, busyness is the badge of Mm. honor. And then also having to use influence or, you know, to, to really create a work culture or like a work I guess, environment that respects that, right? Like the importance of rest and advocating for policy changes to your point, like I'm going to have my office hours be nine to five. And after that, like I am not available and there shouldn't be an expectation of that. So everyone can read Sophie's amazing article. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. So if you want more on that, because I agree with that hundred percent, but I do want to get into your tips on how people can take action today, which is really all about how to work smarter and not harder, which I mean, I'm on board <laughs> with that idea 100%. Um, okay, so your first tip is to clarify your top priorities. Uh, talk a little bit about that and how we do it. Yeah, so so this, this has been massive for me in my creative life over the last couple of years because one of the reasons I went freelance was because I wanted to figure out a way to create more space for creative writing in my life and to maybe write, you know, write a novel or a nonfiction book or something, you know, be become a published author. And <laughs> looking back over the last four years, I've realized I had a bunch of ideas. I always have too many ideas. Um, and I, I had money to earn. So I, I did my kind of paid work, but because I hadn't clearly defined what one project I wanted to work on, what one creative writing project I wanted to work on in my spare time. And I'm using air quotes because, you know, you have to create that spare time, right? If you're, especially if you're a parent. Yeah, you're it doesn't just magically um, appear. <laughs> and because I didn't, because I'm so attached to all of these ideas, I would not make, I would not create that time for myself because I was, I didn't know what I, what it was that I would even make a start on. And it's only recently that I've started to say, okay, it's it's this one thing is emerging for me that if I have one year left before I die, this is the one thing that I want to have done creatively, not just to um, earn a living. Suddenly I can find the time. Suddenly I um, have motivation to get up early before the kids get up. I have the motivation to carve out, you know, to ask my my husband, after you get off work at five, can you feed the kids this evening? And I'm, I'm going to, this is my writing evening, you know? Only because I clarified that top priority could I have that motivation. So I think it's really exciting to clarify that top priority. And and Greg McCowan um, actually talks about the fact that it's priority, not priorities, which I'm really, really guilty of of falling for that one. But it's so true. If you you don't choose one thing, you'll end up not doing, uh, making progress um, or significant progress on anything. Getting back into your work routine, but not loving the uncomfortable work clothes you used to wear? Betta Brand has the pants you never realized you needed. They are the ultra-comfortable dress pant yoga pants. So your routine can now include clothes with professional style and comfort. Betta Brand's dress pant yoga pants are designed with the fit and flexibility of yoga pants, but they look like professional dress pants. They're so amazingly soft and stretchy and absolutely effortless. Just throw a pair on, add a cute top, and you'll be set with style and comfort for your workday. There are tons of different styles to choose from, like straight leg, skinny, cropped, bootleg, and more. And colors from the classic black to fun prints like houndstooth, and they even come in denim styles. 
I have the dress pant yoga pants in the straight leg classic, and I got them in the color navy, and I absolutely love them. They are so comfortable. Beta Band's dress pant yoga pants are perfect for whenever you need to get done that day. Whether you're sitting at a desk for eight hours, working with kids and bending and kneeling all day, or maybe you're a photographer and you need to squat to get that perfect shot. Whatever the case, you're going to look good and feel great doing it. These pants are made of wrinkle-resistant, stretch-knit fabric, so they look good all day and even travel well. Plus, they're machine washable and they don't need to be ironed. And the best part is they have pockets. Yay! We're talking comfort and function. No more fake pockets that are sewn shut. These pants are designed for real women who need real pockets. New colors, patterns, and styles are coming out all the time. So be sure to keep an eye out for limited time new releases because they sell out fast. While you're there, make sure to check out Beta Brand's ultra-flattering tops, skirts, dresses, and more. The dress pant yoga pants are just the tip of the iceberg. Right now, our listeners can get 30% off their Beta Brand orders when you go to betabrand.com slash females. So that's B-E-T-A-B-R-A-N-D.com slash females, F-E-M-A-I-L-S, for 30% off your order for a limited time. And when you use our special URL, you're supporting our show too. Discover what it's like to be comfortable and confident all at the same time. Go to betabrand.com slash females for 30% off. That's just in my creative work, but in my day-to-day work, I have it on a kind of micro level. So if I'm not saying this is the one thing that I really want to get done today, then um, I have multiple tabs open and I flip between them and I make a little bit of progress on a couple of things, but nothing actually substantial. If we frame it, if you don't want to think in terms of like, what, what do I want to do before I die? Um, you could you could rephrase, reframe it to be more positive and say, you know, what, what would I love to be <laughs> celebrating? You know, what would I love to get the champagne out for yeah. in five, five, 10 years? What do I want the direction of my life to look like? So take the time out on a Sunday evening or um, Monday morning or ha- whatever works for your schedule to say, okay, what, what are the deadlines this week? What is my top priority for today and for this week? And what are the would be nice to get to things, but that actually I'm going to only go to those things once I've done this, this first thing. So step number two is to stop multitasking, which I think back to what you just said, it's, it's priority, not priorities. So if, uh, if you guys have read the book, Essentialism, which obviously this is <laughs> a promotion to do so. But in the book, Essentialism, the author talks about how the word was just priority. And then we started to turn it into priorities. Um, so that's, that's important to when it comes to stop multitasking, but specifically, how can people embrace saying no and stop multitasking uh, in order to embrace the slow living slash slow work? Yeah, I find this really hard because, because I have, I always have so many things, so many ideas, popping around in my brain. And the same, you know, there's, it's one thing to know that to read the science and the studies and the research showing that actually no one is good at multitasking. We, Someone said to me actually this last weekend, because I said, oh, I'm not good at multitasking. I just need to do this thing first and then I'll be with you. And they said, oh, actually no one's good at multitasking. There's only people who know they're not good at multitasking versus people who don't know that they're not That's good. That's so true. <laughs> um, which is really true, but you can know that. And then it's another thing to put it into practice. One of the most constructive and helpful kind of practical tips that I heard on the topic of multitasking was actually from the author of Indistractable, Nia Eyal. And he he talked about how when you find yourself flitting between tasks, uh, it can be really helpful just to 
stop and acknowledge and not beat yourself up about it because we all do it multiple times a day. Um, and just ask yourself, why, why am I, what's going on here? Why am I, why am I finding it hard to focus on one thing? For me, that has, you know, brought up multiple answers over the the last couple of months that I've been doing this that range from, I'm afraid I'm not going to do a good enough job on this thing. And so I'm starting something else that's new and exciting. Because for me, Mm -hmm. as an ideas person, the new and exciting shiny thing is always more interesting. So I will always be more prone to want to work on a pitch than actually finishing um, something. (laughs) And yeah, and it can be, I'm I'm afraid that I'm not going to do a good job on this. This is a a commission for a new magazine that I really want to impress. And I'm worried that it's it's not going to be good enough. Um, So I'm putting off finishing it or it could be I just I have too much on my plate and I feel really stressed and so I need to go back to the drawing board and figure out what the one thing that I have to finish today is or it might be I'm mm-hmm. I'm tired and my brain is not focusing well because I got five hours sleep last night and that's not enough or you know whatever it might be but just being gentle with yourself and, and instead of trying to just railroad yourself into doing into doing one thing to actually be realistic and ask yourself what's behind the multitasking has been really helpful for me. Number one is clarify your top priority. Number two is uh, stop multitasking. And then number three for how you can work smarter and not harder uh, with embracing slow work is to plan thinking time into your schedule. I love this. Can you talk a little bit more about what this is and like how much time are we talking about? Like a day, an hour each day, or what does that specifically look like? Yeah, I think it looks different for different people. Again, Greg McCowan talks about this in Essentialism about how the most successful people have carved out time in their schedules. And it feels very, very radical to do that at first, because especially when you're busy and you have a lot to do. But just taking a breath to to say, okay, what what's on my plate and what do I need to focus on will help you shift from that fighting fires state of being to they're really focused good work. That's where our good work happens. I tend to need to look at the week ahead in a, in a kind of week, week chunk on the weekend and, and get my head around what's going to be what's going to be happening next week. So that might be a longer kind of hour in the evening on Sunday for me, um, but also mm-hmm. a shorter, and I don't always remember to do this, but the day always goes better when I take 10, 15, 20 minutes in the morning with a cup of tea and my my work in front of me just to say, okay, what am I doing today? What's the what's the yeah, plan and what's same. the main thing? And I know that this for some people who are listening, they're like, I don't have any extra time in my day. This is gonna be such an indulgence. Mm. I know it can feel like that at first, but I think uh, there was a concept I wrote about in my book and it was called uh, fear of not doing. And one of the things I realized is that um, most of us are much more comfortable with the go, go, go nonstop than we are with this like pause and, and give yourself time. And so it's this whole fear of not doing it's like, there's no way I could just empty the dishwasher and not be multitasking at the same time. And so one note I'll leave everybody before we move on to your next tip is that it takes just as much discipline to not do anything as it does to go, go, go nonstop. So cut yourself some slack because it, it is hard work for a reason, but I, there's a huge payoff to have thinking time in your schedule. And to your point, Sophie, like I'm the same way. I do much better if I have 20 minutes in the morning to kind of look at my day and think about how I'm going to attack it and start with top priority and work backwards mm. from there. Want big, beautiful, effortless waves just in time for back to school? 
The Conair Double Ceramic Waver is designed with not just one, but three barrels for deep, continuous waves. Plus, the double ceramic technology provides an even and consistent heat, fast dialing, and long-lasting waves. With instant heat up, 30 heat settings for every hair type, and turbo heat boost for those difficult-to-style spots, it's easy to get the waves you crave. The wide range of heat options lets you customize styling for flawless results so you can be back-to-school beautiful. With full, flowing waves now so quick and easy to create at home, you'll always be selfie-ready on campus and off. Skip the salon and save time. Big, beautiful waves at home. No salon appointment needed. What's not to love? The Conair Double Ceramic Triple Barrel Waver makes it easy to get effortless, deep waves. The triple barrel ensures continuous, uniform waves, while double ceramic technology delivers even heat for fast styling and long-lasting results. The waver's technology makes it extremely easy to get gorgeous waves quickly. As I mentioned before, the turbo boosting technology makes styling easy, even on the thickest hair. The extra heat really makes a difference. Also, the waver is single voltage and has an auto-off feature to ensure safety. Get your waiver delivered to your door just in time for back to school or even back to work in the office. Ordering this back to school essential for beautiful bombshell waves is easy. To order, just go to conair.com and search waiver. Once again, that's conair, C-O-N-A-I-R.com and search waiver, W-A-V-E-R. All right, now let's get back to the show. Number four on your list is identify your real top needle movers. And this is important because most people say everything <laughs> is important and everything moves the needle, but that is not yeah. <laughs> talking about Well, I, I've heard you talk about glitter and glue before, the concept. Yes. It. So, uh, <laughs> and to me, this is, this is kind of, it's related. So this really became a way of thinking for me when I was working for the for a magazine a couple of years ago and doing special project management. And I started out in that role working as kind of growth um, head on headlines and growth for that magazine. And we had been relying on Facebook traffic to get to connect with our audience. And suddenly that traffic just like more than halved. It was just, it was just plummeting. We had to figure out whether to spend a lot of time and energy and money trying to regain that Facebook traffic or whether there was something else that was going to have a bigger impact. And we also didn't have the resources to fo- to do absolutely everything. So there's like all the, in, in theory, there's all the things you know you could do to grow, to grow your readership of your publication or your magazine or your business or whatever it might be. You could be on every single social media platform. You could be sending an email every day. You could be doing five new blog posts a day. You could, the amount of stuff you could be doing is, is pretty much endless. It's, it's, so when you have limited resources, as we all do in some form or another, even somebody with a, a huge team, you all have limited resources to a certain extent. So you have to figure out where you are going to spend that time and energy and money to see what, what's going to have the most traction and therefore kind of what you can lean into. It's like where you're going to get the most bang for yeah. your buck, right? Like if you spend an hour here, what's the yeah. output with that? And you mentioned my metaphor, glitter and glue. It's like... The glitter items might look really good, but do they actually move the needle? And most of the time I have found in my history of running a business, 
the glitter items, it's nice to have both, but most of the time, the things that make the business run are the boring things, like having really uh, great processes and workflows set up. And um, those things move the needle so that you can make, you know, increase revenue on this thing or grow your traffic on that thing versus the glitter of like, we had this amazing PR piece or something yeah. like that. And to your point, all of these things take time. All of these things take resources. And I actually think this is not only a really good tip for people to embrace slow living, but for managers, it's like being able to communicate what are the the things that move the needle for you mm-hmm. and your team also, because I think people struggle to do this, but also if they don't know what's the most important thing to a business or at work also, they should be able to ask you that and you should be able yeah. to answer it. And I think that it really, it might sound boring, but I guess this is the glue part of it, but you have to take the time to actually look at your stats and your data to know okay, this is having an impact and this is not. And we're throwing a lot of resources at this thing, whereas actually this thing is kind of moving along without so much effort. Maybe if we focus on this, this will actually help us to grow. You have to actually look at the boring stats and and kind of analyze it a bit. And that requires requires you to take some time out of your working week. That was written into my job description. So I was lucky that that was, I could just geek out about that. But I think if, even if it's not explicit in your job description, it, somebody on the team needs to have an eye on that um, and be feeding back to everybody. So in our example, we then realized that as we started to gently optimize articles more for search and learn more about that, that was, we were having loads of success with, with getting discovered via search. It just took the pressure off um, that and and it helped us shift things around a little bit so that we could grow in a less um, hassled and stressful way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we will all sign up for that (laughs) for sure. Yeah. So uh, step number four is identify your real top needle movers. And uh, obviously glitter and glue is a a good one. But to your point, Sophie, yes, you're going to probably have to do some of the legwork before you can even answer those questions. But um, and I know that's for me, it's something I do usually over like we have a winter break at usually between Christmas and New Year's. We take some time off and I actually look forward to it. I kind of like take a day where I deep dive into all things at Career Contessa. And then when we come back, I'm able to share with the team, like these are our top three priorities. These are the things that move the needle the most for us. And it is kind of like, if you're, I guess, enjoy this. I like putting this puzzle piece together. And if you don't own your own business, you could do the same thing for what have been the top three things that maybe moved your career needle in the last year. And, you know, I do it over the winter break, but you could do it anytime. You know, there, there's no, there's no hard and fast rule. Okay. Your last tip on how to work smarter and not harder is set boundaries. This is not a new tip in the sense of like people hear this all the time. So can you be really specific about what this looks like at work, even like on a granular level, what are you setting boundaries and with who and, and how? Yeah, so this is um, another thing that I had to learn the hard way because it doesn't come come naturally to me I'm, as a people pleaser. When you know the top priority, it, it becomes so much easier to set boundaries in the sense of you have a project that you're working on, you know it's really important and somebody on the team asks you to help out with something else or your boss might say, oh, can you get me this project? and um, Or can you, can you do this thing for me by... X time today. And having that, those priorities and those, that priority and those goals kind of really clearly defined and, and knowing what you're being in charge of your day and knowing what's on your plate and your, what, how your schedule is supposed to be going means that you can then without embarrassment or, or stress or drama, you can just say, 
okay, well, you know, if you're talking to your boss, you can say, so this is, this is what I'm working on at the moment. Would you like me to set that aside to, for now? Would you like me to put that on pause to work on this other thing? Or you can say to another colleague, you can say something like, I won't be able to get to that till X day because I'm working on Mm -hmm. a deadline, working to a deadline for here. If that would still be helpful in two days time when I've done this other thing, then I'd be happy to circle back. Something like that. It doesn't have to be really hard. No, it can be a soft no, I guess. And, and, and also like a hard no is fine too. But I just say that because I know that I find it hard to, to do a really harsh kind of um, no, can't help you. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I think it's important to find your style of how to say no. You know, a lot of people will say just no is a complete sentence. Yeah. But for somebody else, and I'm the same way, I like to say no without saying actually the word no yeah. usually. So I... I I, I I understand where you're coming from. With uh, the yeah, soft no, I respect sure. respect all all styles of no, but I think also in the interest of having a positive team culture and and you know sometimes you might need to ask for favors or help, and it's not bad in, inherently wrong to ask your colleague for help or for your for your manager or your boss to give you another project. It's just only you can communicate to those around you what you're working on and kind of yeah. what what is most important at the moment. And so it's not about saying to your boss, well, actually, this is my priority and I can't, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to be uh, adaptable and flexible because obviously those are important things to, to, to be, to work as part of a team. They, they won't know unless you tell them that you have enough on your plate, like that the, the good work that you're doing is, is towards this thing. They're going to, they have their own schedule yeah. in their head. So they, they need you to remind them of what you're actually working on. Earlier on in my career, I would see the question of, can you do this for me? Or what are you working on as kind of almost like a accusation or accusatory kind of thing? Like, oh, it looks like you're not busy enough, or I don't think you're doing hard, yeah. enough, you know, working hard enough, but actually it's a neutral, it's a neutral thing. And, and, what they need you to then do is to to share what you're working on and to in a non-defensive way, just just kind of straightforward way. <laughs> yeah. So my favorite tip about boundaries too is setting them early yeah. and often right away so that it doesn't come off as defensive. Because usually I feel like people decide they're gonna set boundaries when they've had enough yeah. and they're burnt out. And it usually comes across like oh, we've really pissed you off. I asked you to do this and you just kind of snapped at me and I, and then you feel bad for snapping at them because you were overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. You should have set boundaries earlier. And it's like this whole cycle. So the, I think the kindest thing and the, honestly, the most professional thing you can do is set your boundaries early and, and enforce them often because then it isn't like out of character all of a sudden when you, you do have to set them, mm-hmm. right? And that takes us back to the, you know, the idea of parenthood helping me set boundaries earlier early on and, and have those forcing me to kind of embrace slow work as a, as a way of working, because that, that will come in, you know, in the, in the discussion about your hours and when you're actually onboarding in a role or even before that in the negotiations, you might have to talk about what those, those hours are. I think that this, this touches on all elements of our life. So our, if you have a partner or if you have kids, um, even if you don't like with your with your housemates or or anybody uh, anybody that you live in close proximity with, um, you have to make it clear when your working time is and when you're off. You know, if you're working remotely and you're working from home, um, and your housemates trying to show you YouTube videos and stuff, then the boundaries are going to come into play. And having a defined lunch break is is always healthy. And kind of saying I'm going to take a walk to clear my mind and that's going to help you come back to work refreshed and things like that 
So I know that I have to be very clear about my working time as somebody who works from home with my husband and just make sure that we're on the same page about, well, both of our schedules so that it's going to, it's going to go smoothly rather than anybody suddenly saying, oh, I thought you were getting off at this time and we don't actually have the childcare in place or whatever it might be, or I, I can't, my, my, my work's asking me to do some extra time here, so I can't cover for you or whatever that might be. It's just so many of these discussions come back down to boundaries and just being clear on what you need and clear on what you're doing. And so I guess if, if, if you struggle with the idea of boundaries, maybe it's just about coming back down to clarity, being clear about what you're doing and what you need. So whether you call it slow work, essentialism, or something entirely different, maybe you just call it, this is the way I work. I think the basic principles really remain the same, which is that slowing down and being intentional about your working time and, and really keeping the bigger picture in mind and, and how you want to let your values guide your work is is how you're going to do good work that is, you know, based on being proactive versus reactive. Again, like that busy work. So, you know, I'm going to go over Sylvie's tips one more time. So number one, clarify your top priorities, stop multitasking, plan thinking time into your schedule, identify your real top needle movers and set boundaries. We'll also link to the article that Sophie wrote for Career Contessa on how you guys can work smarter and not harder. And as Sophie and I have mentioned many times, the book Essentialism is really great. I know it, it was very profound to me to read that book as well. And um, so anybody who's who's trying to embrace slow work, I applaud you. Keep up the good fight for it. Um, Sophie, where can people find you if they want to stay in touch, read more of your work, all the things? So you can find me on my website or Instagram. I have a newsletter as well. And I write regularly for Career Contessa. And we'll make sure to put all those links in the show notes so you guys can follow Sophie's work. Sophie, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thank you. It was really great to talk about slow work. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of The Females. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review. Your reviews really help our show get discovered by new listeners, and we love to read your feedback. If you're looking to work smarter, not harder, but need some help understanding your top priorities, I recommend our online course, Mission Motivation. We'll teach you how to root out procrastination habits and achieve healthy motivation in 28 days. We link to that in the show notes. And if you want to learn more about Sophie and read her article on this topic, including her website and Instagram, go to our show notes for all those links as well.